0: Home is sacred space. It's not the size or the fanciness of the home that matters. It's not keeping up with the Joneses that makes home or builds home. Feeling at home in our body and life is also sacred. We get to treat home as sacred and be the gatekeeper of who and what gets access to us or to our true self. Today, we're talking about feeling safe at home and joyful in our body and life. Welcome, I'm Christo Riley Davidegui, founder of a lifeinprogress.ca and rebrandingmiddleage.com. I offer my work as a writer, grief and trauma-informed mind body coach and joyful living educator. My work is for freedom seekers, truth-tellers, and stubborn questioners, highly sensitive souls, slow movers, and non-hustlers, the anxious, grieving, weary, and healing, reforming people-pleasers, perfectionists, performers, and peacekeepers, and brave, messy, curious humans ready to quiet the conditioning and noise to reclaim freedom, wholeness, And joy. I'm glad you're here. I've shared before on the podcast that joy is relational. Joy is often not always amplified when shared with others, and often not always emerges as we care for each other and share life together. So when we think of enjoy being relational, I think our brains naturally go to relationships outside of ourselves. But if we don't have a safe home base in ourselves, if we don't have a safe and loving, respectful relationship with self, then it's very difficult to be in healthy relationship with others or to be in healthy community with others. We tend to be dysregulated, living out of our self-protective patterns um, and just not having much capacity for being in relationship. Because let's face it, being in relationship isn't all easy. First, or also, because it isn't really first this, then this, it's simply and also. We need to feel safe at home and joyful in our bodies and lives. When we fill up, we spill over. So, again, what I want to be talking about generally or broadly this episode and next is coming home, coming home in a couple different ways. So, today, reclaiming home in ourselves or feeling safe at home and joyful in our body and life. And next session, speaking more to our physical homes and the importance of sacred space that create safety for us to be in true self more and more um, meet and befriend our true selves and fill up so that we pour over or what we pour over into the world is something that we value four key points that i want to touch on today and i will preface this by saying one of the Things that holds me back often especially in my writing like writing my um, current manuscript is just feeling like oh, but I can't you know I don't have space or energy or capacity to go deep into every single nuance and every single bit of science and I, I, I don't like not sharing things, you know, with accuracy and stuff. So that, so that holds me back. So I'm prefacing this by saying, you know, often I need to just really briefly touch on things superficially. And I always, I just try to trust that if a certain idea or practice or statement draws you and you are curious about it, you can always go seek out quality resources to help you go further into that or reach out and I may even have some great resources for you to get you started on my website. So first point is I don't need fixing. I can't speak for you because um, as much as I don't think you need fixing, that's up to you, right? I believe that you are the expert on your body and life. I am the expert on my body and life. And I know that I don't need fixing. I am not broken. One of the problems in this world, I think, is that we have this idea that everything needs fixing. And it what happens is we internalize shame and judgment about simply being human in a messy world. So if we are in pain, or in grief, or we are experiencing fear in an area of life, we equate that with bad or wrong or broken. But what if it's simply human? What if to be fully awake and alive on this planet means to be awake to the full gamut of human emotion and experience? And some of them are incredibly uncomfortable, very challenging, um, and, and that doesn't make them wrong or bad. So we have a belief that to be whole means to never suffer to never feel pain or grief or fear, to somehow be perfect, an imaginary perfect, which we can never do because we are all always in progress, simply practicing. There is no other way to be. And yet, if we pause and check inward and get really honest, we can, uh, I, I bet all of us, can see the deeply rooted stories that make us feel less than whole or broken or somehow wrong or bad because we don't have all the answers or you know we're just life is messy and hard at times you know and and that doesn't even mean the whole all of your life is messy and hard but it might mean that a piece of your life is messy and hard I don't need fixing. I need to be witnessed. I need to be witnessed by others in safe spaces. I need to be witnessed by myself above all. Although sometimes, you know, we are made for co-regulation. We we heal together. And that doesn't mean we fix each other, but just by creating safety with and for each other. There is space for us to express our experience um, and what we're noticing and our pain and fear, whatever it is. And simply by being witnessed in safety, often we're, we're free enough to go on. We don't always need a solution. We don't always need a tool or a practice. And there is a natural inclination in probably all of us. Maybe there are some, you know, super evolved humans who, you know, super all wise, all knowing humans who don't do this anymore. But I think it is a natural inclination to want to find a solution. And more and more I'm understanding in my own body and life that most things simply need to be witnessed. So I don't need fixing. I get to move at my own pace and my pace is often way slower than what I perceive to be the norm on in the world, you know, or in this culture. Um, I move slowly at the best of times, I'm wired that way. So I need a lot of space to think things through and connect the dots internally, to make sense and to understand why I'm doing something and how it works and how it fits together and um, why it matters, you know, to me, to my work in life, that's part of being a stubborn questioner, by the way, and, and then I can take action. And then going through years of grief and trauma, moving through trauma, it's, it's a very slow process. But I get to move at my own pace and I don't need fixing. And a little side note here is that not everyone deserves space in your life and not everyone deserves the fullness of your story. And that's one of the ways that we can befriend ourselves as well. And to recognize, and I mean, I'm saying this because it is a nuance or it's a, it's an idea or a thought that serves a lot of women I work with is like, we hear a lot about the bravery of vulnerability and um, being authentic and there can be a misconception that to be authentic means revealing all of oneself and that is not neither safe nor wise and nor necessary appropriate whatever in every situation it is authentic to consciously and wisely choose who and in which containers we share which parts of ourselves. All of our, and so actually I forgot to say this, so I'm kind of circling back to when I said that, you know, we're, I was talking about all, all of our human emotions are just part of the human experience, and that doesn't mean they're wrong, you know, they can be very difficult. And they can even, you know, cause us to freeze, they can cause us to panic, they can cause problematic patterns of behavior that we want to resolve. But the emotional experience, or the ability to be with and to name and then express, In healthy ways, all human emotion is very important. Um, Sometimes I write about giving ourselves permission to feel. And in the winter session of the Brave and Beautiful community coming up, that is one thread of the work that we will be doing is talking about permission to feel accessing high energy and lower energy emotions noticing what it feels like in our bodies to experience these different emotions so that um we can learn new patterns so often we're operating on unconscious patterns so When certain emotions or feelings in the body or sensations arise, we often, you know, the the message travels so quickly to the brain, the brain interprets it often as danger. And we go right into old self-protective patterns. So that could be forms of numbing, um, dissociating, um, yeah, running, you know, whatever it is, you know, so running might be like busyness, filling our lives to the brim to distract, etc. So we're going to cover that more in the winter session of the B and also in the seasonal call coming up. This my seasonal transition call. I'll speak to that a little bit more later because you can actually get that for free um, if you're joining my membership community or you can pay to join if you just want to access the call. For the seasonal transition call this time, this one, I will be setting aside a bit of extra time to talk about psychological, emotional, spiritual seasons of life. What does that mean? Um, yeah, so in case that interests you, You can head over to my website or reach out for more information. I'll put some links in the show notes. All right, moving on. Second point that I want to talk about here, as we briefly explore the idea of coming home to oneself or feeling safe at home and joyful in our body and life is that daily recovery is necessary. This it's, It's a topic that feels tricky on some levels. One, because what I'm really talking about here is spaciousness and rest and breathing room, which I believe every human needs. Some of us thrive with more activity level in our lives than others, but we're all in these human bodies and we need rest. And if we want to actually hear our inner voice or access our pain to, you know, figure out how to be with it and keep showing up to life or to be with our grief or to vision and truth tell about what we want in life. We need spaciousness. We have to have room in our lives so that we can do this work. But we live in a culture that really promotes and values hustle or perpetual busyness, performing, jumping through hoops, etc. And there are the very real needs of needing to pay for a safe home and keeping the lights on and getting, you know, buying food. And sometimes these are in conflict. And so while i do not want to dismiss that reality i have you know and and yeah so i'm not dismissing that reality and also in case you are in a position where you know that you could if you're really really honest with yourself you could slow down you could do that work you could prune even if it's hard, hard on the ego, um, hard to set new boundaries, et cetera, but it is an option for you, then I invite you to consider this, what I'm saying. So daily recovery is needed. And especially I will say for the highly sensitive soul or for those of us who are recalibrating or recovering from chronic stress burnout trauma etc and that includes a large percentage of the population so holidays are lovely but often, if you don't have that daily recovery or regular recovery, you probably experience something like you go, 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 you finally get a break and you crash and you get sick, or you push yourself, you bypass your body's needs, and then you fall sick. And that's what gives you the permission to cancel everything and lay on the couch while you have the flu because you aren't in a place yet where you're willing to just say no and give yourself the rest that your body is screaming for so that you don't have to fall sick. I see this with my husband who's a teacher, a pattern of, you know, go, go, go all year, um, just too much. And then in the at the summer break, kind of crashing and many 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 people live like that and it's not saying it's a it's a it's about fault either right because a lot of work environments just don't allow you to take the rest you need or don't allow a more sustainable pace so we still need to look for where we can exercise our agency and build more recovery in to our days. So often though, we live these lives that, you know, I'm not, again, choice or no choice, we're living these lives that aren't respecting our true capacity. Often, we don't even have the space required to do the things that are already on our to do list, like the basic foundational things that keep us healthy, like movement, making some, you know, nutritious food, adequate sleep, connection. Many of my clients, though, and community members are in the middle season of life, where you have a bit more flexibility than you did once upon a time. And most of my clients and community members could and can make some choices to reprioritize. And again, get very honest about what kind of life you wanna lead from now moving forward. So do you have space for those basic foundational things Do you have space to rebuild felt sense of safety in your body and life to recover from daily wear and tear, to listen inward, meet your pain, rest, vision, and truth. Tell the third point. And again, thinking about home as sacred space, that is the picture, the vision that I want to offer. Um, I'd be interested to know how you feel about that idea. So what I have noticed in speaking over the years with other highly sensitive people is that this makes sense to us home as sacred space. I don't know for sure if everyone relates to that. So Home as sacred space. Again, next week, next episode, we're going to talk more about the home environment. And today we're talking more about ourselves, so our inner world, um, and and how we how we are in our bodies and our lives in relationship with self as sacred space or home, building home in oneself. So from that perspective, can you make choices from a loving and nurturing place instead of from a rule-oriented judging, shaming, or controlling place? So even if we're talking about those foundational health practices that I refer to, like movement, good food, sleep, connection, the motivation matters. So anything I I've probably shared this on the podcast I share this often in my one-on-one client work that any beautiful wonderful practice can become weaponized if we use it to bully or shame ourselves if we use it to restrict control um, mold ourselves into an image of something you know that we think we should be. So making a a nutritious meal for ourselves can come from a loving place, or it could come from a different motivation. Um, one thought that was coming up for me was around wine and I've had an interesting relationship with alcohol. I've talked about it before and um, interesting in that, well, I don't want to go all the way into it, but one of the things that's come up is like in my forties and early fifties, I've needed to develop a relationship with permission relaxing the rules and restriction and um, and performing almost like not for anybody else but like trying to be good enough and learn a new way of being in my body and life and so I've experimented with and explored permission and it's it's a tricky thing and very individual for every human but so uh, you know I'm drinking less and less but I as much as I enjoy a glass of wine I'm noticing like so many women in the midlife season that it interrupts my sleep it didn't used to as long as it was with a meal earlier in the day it didn't used to um, bother my sleep but now it is and so I'm just getting curious about that and noticing that you know, it's, could I from a loving place consider when I want something that feels like permission or celebration or pleasure? Could I instead check in and ask myself, is there something else that would feel nurturing right now? And, you know, again, that may seem obvious to you. But Right now, for me, that's one thing that I'm getting curious about. So, making sure that our choices are coming from a loving and nurturing place helps build safety in our bodies and our lives. And I think this is something that takes a lifetime to unpack because of our culture, our conditioning, not just cultural, cultural, religious family of origin, etc. cetera, conditioning. All right. The fourth point and last point that I wanted to touch on today is around the cultural dictates that lead to burnout, bodily dissatisfaction, self-loathing or self-abandonment. Again, really big topic, important topic, I believe. But if we want to feel safe at home and joyful in our bodies and lives, then we will need to do the work to become aware of and then figure out like what the heck to do with the Truth that there are all of these cultural dictates that have told us from the beginning of our lives how to measure up, how to win approval, how to decide we're good enough, how to be affirmed, how to be palatable. And so some of these things I've touched on, but some of them are A belief that there is one size and shape of body that is worthy of love. There is the promotion of more and faster is better. There is a push at times to pour out and pour out until you are empty and have nothing left. Um, or the story that to be good and kind and compassionate means to give everything you have until you run dry. We need to declutter the junk. And this is, again, I think a work of, the work of a lifetime. But we do need to start wherever we are. Again, I believe this requires spaciousness because let's face it, like if you're going to do any kind of like read a book that helps you listen inward and, you know, like one of my, a book I recommend is No Bad Parts by Dick Schwartz. It's on internal family systems, great book, but it's not for the faint of heart. Like you need space to do that type of internal work. I'm taking a course right now on the abandonment wound and um, I think it's by Jeff Brown could be wrong not a super long course but it's like it's deep stuff to require spaciousness and not just to rush through exercises like this is life-changing stuff that I believe brings healing to ourselves individually and then spills over and can disrupt unhealthy intergenerational patterns it's important work it needs spaciousness often also we need other people to do this work in safety all right so as we declutter the junk, we might meet old childhood stories and wounding. But another part of that that I've been noticing is we also might start reclaiming our childlikeness. Those parts of our true selves or essence that were there in the early childhood if our childhoods were not disrupted by major trauma, and we had relative safety, and our basic needs met in early childhood, then we may have had a chance to express some of those characteristics of self. Um, And, and for me right now, in the season that I'm in, this is part of my work, not only meeting, and, and healing, childhood wounds or uprooting or rewriting remnants or old, you know, stories that are still present and at play in my life and no longer serving me that started in childhood, but also reclaiming some of my child likeness. And that essence of who I was before I learned to swallow my voice and swallow my pain and try to be a good girl for approval and um and so that also requires space to listen in and check in with myself and even you know I was saying about the wine like in instead of wine, like what would feel nurturing, again, there is a need for permission and play and exploration without judgment or controlling everything. Because some of it as we build safety in ourselves and in our bodies and lives, we are invited to notice, hey, I would love that dessert or that yummy thing or I'd love to play with that or I would love to enjoy this silly show or to read this book that I loved from childhood by the way my girls found me my favorite book from my childhood um my youngest daughter found it for me and ordered it and what a joy to reread that book um, but yeah it's like this slow process And in a way, it feels reminiscent of childhood where it was more carefree, you know, for for some people anyways, for me before 10 years old, where I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders yet. And I trusted my parents to meet all of my needs. And, you know, and so I I felt freer to play and rest and be and ask for what I needed and that type of thing. Okay, um, I touched on self-abandonment. I'm I didn't watch the time, but self-abandonment, so it, you know if I'm going to just assume that you're probably in middle age, if you're listening and if you're not, that's okay too. You can do this work at any time, any season of life, but self abandonment is something that comes up. I think for all of us, if again, we have enough safety in our lives to be able to do this type of work, we can Get to a place where we can look back and see the truth of all the ways that we have abandoned ourselves over decades. It's hard. There's grief involved in that. And if we can move through the grief, then we can step into greater freedom as well and more joy as well as we learn how to no longer abandon ourselves. So um, just happenstance, I didn't even know at the time that I was going to talk about this, but I, on Instagram, I had screen um, saved, took a screenshot of a post by Helen Marie. And um, it's about what says, we abandon ourselves each time we. And I'm going to read the list. And I could have written my own list, but I chose not to, but I am going to, you know, offer the idea that you could create your own list. So we abandon ourselves each time we base our worth on someone rejecting us, don't communicate our needs, stay in toxic relationships, talk unkindly to ourselves, ignore red flags, hold back from taking up space, get caught up in comparison, Show up in places where we can't be ourselves. Allow someone else to take our power. Stop showing up for ourselves. Avoid reaching out for help or think we don't matter. So thank you, Helen Marie, for sharing this. Yeah. All right. And if you would like to connect with me and tell me, you know, what your takeaways from the podcast episode, some people have been doing that. I love knowing um, what is speaking to you or helping you in this season. So what I'm enjoying as we wrap up, yesterday I went to my Pilates session and my instructor celebrated. She told me that the previous week I had done 100 lessons and she was celebrating that with me, which I was I just thought was so sweet and unexpected. I wasn't counting. I had no idea. And, um, I guess they're doing that at their studio um, when people pass the 100 mark of a class, or in my case, I do private Pilates sessions. And, um, and she gifted me a couple things, which was lovely. So what I'm enjoying is that lovely celebration and, Her prompting and drawing my attention to it meant that I came home and celebrated my hard work and I was, I am proud of myself because these past years have been really hard, but I kept showing up and um, some days I was grieving too much. I couldn't stop crying and I didn't go. Other days I went and I was exhausted and we just moved at my pace Other days I go and I have a lot more stamina and I let her, I invite her to push me harder. And that it all feels really good because I'm listening to my body. I am respecting what's happening in my nervous system, in my energetic capacity, like actual, like physical energy or stamina and I'm practicing showing up even when it would be easier many days to not go. I started after my 50th birthday. So when I turned 50, one of the loving and nurturing things I did for myself was to try a new form of movement. So I started with a bungee class and that was fun but not sustainable for my body or nervous system. I find that a lot of us who tend toward anxiety or we are highly sensitive, um, we do really well with slow and controlled movement. So that bungee class was high energy, kind of like moving more adrenaline through my body and I did not need that. So anyways, but I tested that out and then that led me to this new Pilates studio. And I started these private sessions, which I love because all the attention is on me. It's all about my alignment, my needs, and we have great conversations each week. Um, I am, however, going to add in some classes. At the time, because of trauma, I could not have gone to a class. I just couldn't be in that situation. I didn't feel safe. Um, And the private sessions were just what I needed to feel more empowered in my body and build that inner felt sense of safety again. And now I feel ready to expand a bit more and test out the classes as well. So I feel really excited about that and grateful that my teacher um, celebrated with me. In terms of imperfect action, two, thoughts here one is create your own list as long as you can stay out of shame and judgment create your own list of the ways that you tend to abandon yourself or that you have abandoned yourself now only do this if you can stay in a growth mindset Um, if you can stay grounded in self-compassion otherwise just don't do it it's, it won't be helpful right now. So that's one idea. And another way to take imperfect action this week is to join the simple five-day simplify and recalibrate challenge that I'm offering. I offered it last year. It's going to be different this year. Um, Sign up ends tomorrow though, by end of my workday. So um, yeah, I recommend that you go sign up Now, if you're listening on Thursday, all right. Um, And you will have access to the replays until the end of January as well. So you don't have to do it December 4th to 8th. You can take more time and do it at your own pace. Um, So an invitation for you, the Brave and Beautiful Community Winter Session will open for early enrollment on Monday. So for two weeks, early enrollment is open. Um, and there are a couple advantages to signing up within during that two-week period. One of them is you'll get current rates, so a lower price. Prices are going up in January. And I haven't figured out exactly, I don't want to raise them a lot, but as you know, cost of living, my gosh, all of my business expenses have really jumped. And um, so they will be going up and in January. And so, you know, get the lower rate by joining now or starting Monday. And then also you can join us for our seasonal call, the seasonal transition call on December 20th. And you'll also get the replay. You don't have to join live. It's a two hour call. I give you a workbook. I walk you through a seasonal check-in. I will be spending more time. So each se- each seasonal check-in, I spend a little bit more focused time on one layer of seasonal living And this time it will be around the like, what is a psychological, emotional, spiritual season of life? What does that mean? How do you use that information to, you know, live a soul honoring life or to befriend yourself and move towards wholeness and joy? So, again, you'll get that free. And even though our winter session starts on January 15th, you will be able to join us for that call in December. And um, yeah, I'd love to welcome you there. So the overarching themes, I won't say too much more about the membership, but you will have a link that you could go read more. You can reach out for a free chat with me if you need help figuring out if this is a good fit for you. But the overarching theme for this year, so I go like according to the school year. So this year in the b the overarching theme is filled up and overflowing. In the winter session, we're talking about relationship to home. So we're going to explore different facets of that. Building home in oneself, for instance, whole, our home environments. Um and some other things. And a sub theme is a movement toward joy. So sub theme of the autumn session that is wrapping up in December was a movement toward wholeness. We're moving into a movement toward joy in the next session. Um, Yeah, I guess a final thought is that in case you haven't ever looked at the Brave and Beautiful community, um, this is our fifth year running it's for women somewhere in the middle season of life um there are outliers but for the most part women who are close to the 40 year mark and then up to early 70s uh are the you know they love the membership and again there have been some younger people And that has worked really well. Like one of our young, the youngest member actually has been with us for, I think this is her fourth year or third or fourth. Um, And she's, you know, she fits in beautifully. So you can self-select, but my work always, like I'm always looking at studies and stuff that, and experiences that center around the experiences of the woman in the midlife season. All right. So wrapping up until next time, make peace with messiness to make space for joy.